Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, all right. Good morning. How's everyone doing? It's good to be with you. It's good that you, I'm grateful that you're here. Welcome to everyone online as well as everyone in VR. Today we continue in the series, It Takes a Village. This uh, series is kind of a throwback series, kind of this idea of what would it look like for all of us to actually know each other. Like, I, like you kind of, I know you can't know everyone, but this idea of like we, we care about each other, we're in each other's lives, it's when other people come alongside one another to help make it through this thing called life. And so this uh, series, we're looking at all the themes of Advent kind of through the lens of a village, though, a community, and what would it look like if, a, if we could really be a village of peace um, today, that's what we're talking about is peace. And so as we think about peace, I, I kind of look at the opposite of that, which is anxiety and stress. And um, I, I don't know what stresses you out. I, just for the fun of it, I looked up like what are some of the kind of weird stressors, okay? So I don't know if there's any of you who would say, yes, this, if, just raise your hand. If, if you relate in like this maybe strange thing stresses you out or makes you anxious, anyone uh, get anxious about missing out on sleep? Anyone? We have any people who get anxious? <laughs> Which, of course, you know, when you're not sleeping and then you get anxious about not sleeping, you're more anxious about all that you're not enjoying right now. It's just kind of, just, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle, right? How many of you are, get anxious uh, about not uh, eating enough greenery? Any? I know. There's some of you who really care, apparently, and you should. We should all care. My health teacher would tell us that, okay? Uh, how about uh, sitting too much? Anyone anxious about sitting too much? All right, there's a handful of you. I know. If you feel like you need to stand up in the middle of the service, just hold back, okay? <laughs> no. No, but you could, you could, technically, okay? And I'll be like, I see you. Yes, you who needs to stand. I get that. I feel it. All right. Uh, how about not getting enough light? Anyone anxious about not getting enough light? No. Okay. I, I sometimes, I, especially in the winter, okay. Uh, how about um, being dehydrated? Anyone anxious about not getting enough water? Okay, so if you need to stand up, go outside to get some light and some water on the way, and then come on back. <laughs> uh, how about... Uh, eating too much junk food. Anyone anxious about that? Especially right now? Like, no, some of you are like, I'm not anxious about it. We are accomplishing that. No problems right now. How about skipping meals? Anyone anxious about skipping meals? No, because once again, you're like, I'm on top of it right now, Josh. All right, then here's, here's the last one on the list. That I, I is totally me. Messy house. Anyone get anxious about a messy house? In the previous service, some people are like, <laughs> they just look at the person that they came with. You're the anxious one. You make me clean it. I, I'm anxious about a messy house. Like, I remember there was this one year we lived in Minnesota. It was our first winter there, and the winter was brutal. It was the coldest winter I've probably ever experienced in my life. I don't think the thermometer broke negative 25. Like, we didn't get above negative 25 for a month straight. It was a crazy, I would literally, I'd drive up to drop my kids off at school, I'd open the door, you know, on the, the, the sliding door on our minivan, and as, they, as the kids are jumping out, I'd just go, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, it's just so cold, as I was looking, negative 25 on the, on the thing on my car. It was so cold, but like, the, in those temps, you can't even send your kids outside to play. Like, you just feel bad, like, you will die. So, you can't go outside, so you just have to play inside, which means the house 
five little kids just got trashed. And I remember every night we'd walk downstairs. They would be downstairs. It felt like for 15 minutes. And they created an hour's worth of work for cleanup. I know any parents can relate with this. I, oh, it was horrible. And we'd walk down there and we'd clean for an hour. Some nights I'd be like, babe, can you just please go down and do it? I can't handle it. I just can't look at it. It caused me such anxiety just seeing it. And I don't know, we all have different things that cause us stress or, or anxiety. Maybe for you, it could be uh, you have financial stresses, maybe relational tension. Maybe it's the clutter like me that drives me nuts. Maybe it's of things breaking or things being too noisy or too many people or not enough people or it's too quiet or I'm going to be alone and that's stressing you out. Or there's too much to do or too much to handle, too much to fix or too little time or too little money or too little fill in the blank. So whether it's too much or too little, you, uh, we're all just stressed out. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of us are. My wife had, uh, had referenced that statistic, um, she, which was funny because we were at the same event, but we heard different stats. And so she said 70%. I thought it was 85% of all medical illnesses are, can be related back to anxiety, but I don't know. Go with whatever stat you want. Because 80% of stats are made up. Right? Think about that. Okay. But, but here's another thing that was shared that night. Was that uh, 121 million Americans actually take something to help them deal with their stress. That's a lot of people dealing with stress and anxiety. So almost all of us are dealing with it to some degree. And we're desperate for this thing called peace. Peace over our hearts and minds. There's an interesting attribute that I actually believe applies to both anxiety and it applies to peace as well. At least I, I see it this way. Uh, it's been known scientifically to apply to anxiety for years. It's been written about by, in, in different scientific journals. In fact, I've got a little book right now sitting on my desk at home. It's, it's a very awesome title of a book. It's The Eight Concepts of the Bowen Theory. It's not very exciting. But it's all about family systems. And in this, this uh, the author, she talks about um, how there's this transference of anxiety that often happens in family systems. And I remember when I read this book the first time, 15, 20 years ago, my wife and I talked about it. Because here's, here's one way it can play out that the author describes. So it looks like this. Dad comes home from work, and he's all stressed out from having a tough day at work. As he walks in the door, his wife sees that he's all stressed out, so she starts getting a little bit anxious, a little stressed out, because he walked in stressed out. As he sees that she is anxious and, uh, and stressed out, he calms down to try to alleviate her stress. As she's now carrying the stress, the little kids come into the, into the room, and they can see mom is anxious, so they start getting anxious and stressed out because mom's anxious. As soon as she sees they're stressed out, she calms down in an effort to alleviate and bring calm to them. And what happens is it bounces around the kids until it usually lands on one kid. And this is pretty typical in a family system, that there will be one child who's the anxiety carrier on behalf of the family. It's not always a child. Sometimes it's an adult uh, within the family where it bounces around the family and it lands on an adult. And everyone kind of caters to that individual trying to bring peace to them because they're the anxiety carrier in the house. I remember even years ago when my wife and I kind of discovered this, if there was a day that I'd come home stressed out as I'd walk in, she could see it and she'd say, go back out in the garage and deal with your stuff because we don't want it to come and bounce around, play ping pong in here and land on one child who had always landed on in our home. And as, even as I say that, some of you are like, oh my word, that was me. And it helped, and it, not helped, but it started to actually uh, form your identity 
as a child, maybe growing up as the anxiety carrier. But in the same way that anxiety can uh, pass around in a home, peace can do the same thing. In fact, Jesus talked about this when he sent his disciples out to uh, proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand and cast out demons and heal people. He, in Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 5, look at what Jesus says. He says, whenever he's sending out the disciples, and he says, whenever you enter a house, for say, peace to this house. It's an interesting statement. Just declare peace over this home. If someone who promotes peace is there, meaning someone who will receive your peace is there and they receive you, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Isn't that interesting? It's this idea, it's a, it's, a, it's a kingdom principle that actually we can be carriers of peace and actually as we carry peace into a place, it can actually land on an environment. And if it's, if it's rejected, it will actually probably return to you. But you actually have the potential to impact a space or an environment by what you carry spiritually in the sense of this peace into, this, into a place. And so... Uh, I don't know, maybe you've known someone like that in your life where every time you encountered them, they were just a person of peace. It's like they carried peace, and every time you walked away from them, you felt a greater sense of peace in your heart. Have you ever known someone like that? I have. Or, or perhaps you know someone in your life who's always anxious, and actually they need you to be a person of peace. What would happen if we, kind of as a village... If we were carriers of peace and we brought that everywhere we went. Now here's the interesting thing when it comes to peace, this commodity called peace, is you can't give away what you don't have. Are you aware? You can't give away what you don't have. So I, I know you might be like, I'm the most anxious person, and if I just declare peace over the house. Well, I think there is something to that because actually faith is starting to come into action in that moment. But you actually need to first have it if you want to be able to give it away. And so then the question is, where do we get it? And um, are there places where we can always go to kind of find peace? And what I want to do, there's so many places in Scripture where we could go to kind of look at peace, but I wanted to land in John chapter 14, kind of in John chapter 14 through 16. It's three chapters. Here's your assignment this week. Read those three chapters, okay, because I'm only going to hit a couple verses. But John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus actually talks a lot about trouble. Anyone got trouble in their life ever? Mm -hmm. So he, for three chapters, is going to talk about how you can actually maneuver trouble in life, stresses in life, and everything that troubles our hearts. Uh, this is actually how he launches into kind of this three-chapter dialogue. In John chapter 14, verse 1, he says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. The Greek word here that gets translated as troubled is terrazzo. And it's a word that can literally be translated as to strike one's spirit with fear or dread, to render anxious or distressed, to make restless, or to take away calmness. And so he's saying, hey, don't let your hearts be terrazzo. Don't let your hearts be troubled or anxious. Don't let your hearts be captured by fear and dread. Don't let your hearts be robbed of the calm that you can actually have in Christ. Now, maybe this should be without kind of without saying or not need to be said, but I think it is the, it's the natural foundation. You're in a ch church. Last series we did was uh, Jesus over everything, and the answer is always Jesus, right? Are you with me? Okay, you still tracking with me? At your foundation for peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, this, this passage where 
Uh, it's talking about the coming Messiah, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Ultimately, peace for each and every one of us starts with a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus specifically. Because the reality is we were made for a relationship with God, but all that was broken by sin. Sin came in, it corrupted the world, it corrupted everything, it corrupted our lives, it corrupted how we think, and it corrupted our relationship with God, and it broke it. But God loved us so much that he said, I want to make a way to fix that which it is broken. And so he sent his son to lay down his life for us at the cross, to pay for our sins and to conquer the power of sin and death in our lives and the power of that broken relationship and make a way to have a restored relationship with God. But it's through faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. That's your foundation of peace. But then on top of that, he's gonna say, Jesus is actually going to say, hey, there's ways in action that we can actually find. You'll find peace. Every single time. So let me just dive into it. Oh, sorry. Let me continue on. Sometimes I get lost. All right. So John chapter 14, he says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. At the end of John chapter 16, so this is the end of that whole passage, he kind of bookends it with this statement. I've told you all these things, meaning everything that I've said from chapter 14, 15, and 16, so that in me you might have what? All this was said, because I started by saying, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. I want you to be able to have peace, because in this world you will have trouble, Tarasso. But take heart, I've overcome this world. I want you to have peace, because you will have trouble. How of all the promises and all the statements that Jesus made, this is my least favorite one. <laughs> in this world you will have trouble. That's a promise. But you will. But take heart. You can have peace because he's overcome this world. He's not saying that you won't have trouble. He's saying you will. But he's overcome every aspect of this world that causes you anxiety. Just think about that. Anything in this world that causes you anxiety or stress, he's already overcome it. Every anxiety-causing reality he's overcome. He doesn't say that he's going to remove the trouble from your life, but he does say, I've overcome it. There's nothing that's beyond his control, nothing that's above, uh, above or over his strength. Pictured a little bit like this. A couple months ago, my wife was actually cleaning out a, uh, a tank of my son's. Uh, he's got all these like lizards, and uh, there's one tank that really hadn't had anything in it, and she was cleaning it out. And uh, so anyhow, there hadn't been anything living in it for, I don't know, if, if ever, anything. And so um, she's, she's just emptying everything out of it. And then I, I was upstairs, and all of a sudden I hear this blood-curdling scream. And she's screaming my name, Josh! And I come running downstairs because clearly she has cut her arm off. That's the only solution for the way that there was scream the screaming sounded. Like, I'm telling you, it was so intense. And she's standing outside the room, and she's pointing in. She goes, I just can't. I can't. And I go walking in there, and I look in the tank. And in this tank, there is this leg sticking up out of the dirt. <laughs> a little toad leg. Well, I shouldn't say it was a little toad leg. But the little toad leg was connected to the whole toad. Then I pulled on out of there, and this petrified toad that, now she, in between services, she goes, Josh, you've made this thing sound small. She's like, it was a huge toad. 
True, when it was hydrated. But it was, when it was hydrated, it was large. Now it was dehydrated and petrified. Now, when I found it, when I saw it, I was actually thrilled. You want to know why? Because six months earlier, my seven-year-old son at the time had said, Dad, we lost a frog in the house. And I was like, yes! We found it! So I'm, I pick this thing up, and it is like, you know, it's that thing. And she is still outside the room, just like going, ha, ah, ah. ha. You know, it's that moment. And I'm like, it's just not that big of a deal. And I mean, at this point, I'm passing it around for the other kids to see. And they're like, I mean, they're playing, you know, pop along, hop. I mean, it was like really kind of one of these weird moments. But she's just like freaking out. And I was, I was laughing because I was like, Hers and my response were two extremely different things. She was stressed to the max, anxious beyond anything I've really ever seen in her. And I was like, this is kind of cool. I got this. I'm okay. And I was just thinking about this, though, through the lens of how often the things that stress us out are probably that extreme, to those extremes in terms of God's perspective. The thing that you and I stress out, we're hiding outside the room, pointing at, going, I can't even. And God's looking at it going, what's the big deal? I got this. You're going to face some troubles in your life, but take heart. I've overcome this. Take heart. I got this. That's how he bookends this whole set of passage, or this whole passage. He goes, Hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. I've told you all these things so you can have peace because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome it all. And so today I just want to give you a few places where you can always find peace, okay? And so uh, let me just give you the first one. Let's finish the rest of this line. So I would say this, peace is always found in faith. Peace is found in faith. So the next part of the line, John chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled, taraos, or taraso, you believed in God, believe also in me. He's, he's pointing to, hey, if you don't want your hearts to be troubled, the place where it starts is this thing called faith. It's Jesus talking, so he's saying, guys, you've already believed in God. I want you to put your faith, though, also in me and what I'm going to do and all that I will accomplish. I want it to, but it's going to be anchored. Everything that I'm going to say has to be anchored in this thing called faith. And faith is a belief in what you can't see. And when you believe in something you can't see, you receive something that's out of sight. When you exercise faith in the one who is supernatural, you actually receive peace that is unnatural. You're going to receive peace that just you couldn't muster on your own. Now, here's the question. Since this is, uh, it takes a village, how does this thing called faith and peace and a village kind of collide together. I've said this before. I think you should always be prayer hogs. Like, whenever you can get someone to pray for you, take advantage of it. Like, we have prayer partners after service. Be a prayer hog. Go on up and say, would you pray for me? If someone ever says, hey, can I pray for you? Be like, yes. Like, take it. Always take the prayer, okay? Be a prayer hog. It's always good. Because here's what often you'll receive in the process. Is that the things that overwhelm you or that trouble your heart or trouble you, they're not troubling the other person. And so when they pray over you and over that situation, their faith is not knee-deep in the situation. And it's often can see God and his promises over your situation in a, gray that's, in a way that's probably greater faith than what you can muster in the moment. Does that make sense? 
And so I've experienced this so many times where I'll tell someone, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. Can you pray for me? And as they start praying for me, I find all of a sudden faith actually starts welling up within me. And when it's all said and done, I walk away with peace. Why? What happened? Here's what happened. I caught actually the wave of their faith, and in doing so, I also caught their peace. It's, it's huge. And so don't ever pass up on the opportunity to actually allow someone else's faith to actually help grow your faith and propel you straight into peace, because peace is always found in faith. Second, as a handful of verses later, I'm going to say it this way, peace is found in listening to the Holy Spirit. Check it out. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, I've preached through verse 27 many times before. It starts right here. Peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you, I do not give as the world gives. But here's the deal. If you look at it in, conjunct in conjunction with the context, okay, with the pre previous verse, he's giving something in both verses. In verse 26, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 27, he says, I'm going to give you peace. Coincidence? I think not. I think these two things are actually connected tightly in which he says, listen, you're actually going to find peace when you learn to listen to the things that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you and remind you. Does that make sense? Now I say listen to the Holy Spirit because I actually think the Holy Spirit is speaking all the time. I think he's regularly speaking to us. He's prodding us. He's encouraging us. He's challenging us. He's teaching us. Our problem is a lot of times we're just not listening. Like, I deal with this every single week with one of my kids. It happened this week. I was sitting at the, the kitchen table, and I'm, I'm trying to get my, the attention of one of my sons. And I know he heard me say his name three times. He heard me. He's just not listening to me. It's almost like he ignored me. And, and I think the same thing happens with our relationship with God all the time, where we're probably, we're hearing you know, it's those prods of the Holy Spirit. I should probably do that. I should probably do that. I probably shouldn't do that. I probably should encourage this person. I probably should, you know. But we're just not listening. We're not responding. And I think the reason why so often we're actually not hearing to listen is because we're so overly distracted. We're constantly busy. We're, we don't engage in the most simple things like the spiritual disciplines that set us up to be in the place where we hear and listen, can listen to the, uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we rob ourselves from the places where the Spirit uh, most often speaks, things like reading God's Word, time in prayer, personal worship, silence and solitude. Now, even as I say that, some of you are like, that's the life of a monk. And I'm not that. No, no, no. I get it. Yes, that might be the life of the monk, but that's the life of every Christ follower. Those are the spiritual disciplines of every Christ follower. To be in God's word, to have some time in prayer, to have some time of personal worship, and to uh, have silence and solitude. Maybe since some of us have a hard time and you're like, I'm not a monk, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Let me just kind of boil it down to the most simplistic things of, of how you can set yourself up to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Remove distraction and pursue his presence. 
Just think about it through that lens. I want to remove distraction and I want to pursue his presence. Now, while I remove distraction to pursue his presence, it will often be around the word of God, prayer, personal worship, okay? In silence and solitude. It all happens kind of simultaneously. But just think about it through the lens of remove distraction, pursue his presence. So for me, that most often actually happens while I'm working out. So it's a regular place for me. And the reason why is because working out is pretty mindless activity. I don't have to think about it. I'm not one of those guys who's like taking notes about like, yes, I did that many curls, check. You know, or I'm not, I'm not writing notes. It's just like I just do. I've been working out for so long, I just I don't even think about it. And so since it's all mindless activity, but I'm going to be here for 45 minutes, I might as well do something. Now, yeah, I could watch TV, but more often than not, what I do is I listen to worship music or I pull out my Bible app and I just have it read scripture to me. Have you ever used that, uh, that function? It's the greatest. Just let it, and pick, pick some voice you love, like a British accent. The Bible's always better in British accent. You know? It's just awesome. And so just like pick a great accent and just like, or whatever. You know, you know but the, the point is, I'll, I'll just listen to scripture or I listen to worship music, but here's what I've done. I'm in a setting where I've eliminated distraction and I'm pursuing his presence and it's in that setting that the Holy Spirit always speaks to me. And it's not that he's not speaking other times, it's I'm aware and I'm listening. My wife will say this all the time. She's like, well, I was in the shower and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I talk to other people who are like, I was in the tub and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And it's not that you have to be naked for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, okay? <laughs> That's not it. It's, it's just that these are the places where we don't have our stinking phones. It's the place where we don't have distraction. And when you don't have distraction and you're pursuing his presence, you are set up to not just hear, but now actually respond and listen to the things that he teaches you and reminds you. Make sense? Peace will be found there in listening to the Holy Spirit. Third thing, final thing I want to point out. This is not in John, but we've seen this now multiple places throughout, uh, really, the epistles that Paul writes, peace is found in thanksgiving. So we actually covered this last month in Colossians chapter 3. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, he's talking about a village approach, a group approach here, you were called, you, the collective group, the body, were called to what? Peace. <laughs> you were called to peace. And then he says this, and be thankful. It's interesting that this thing that we collectively as the village are called to be people or a group of peace, but this thing called thankfulness is what's, I, I hate to say tagged on, it should be the flavor of the people. Is this the flavor of the people of God, thankful people? In Philippians chapter 4, here's a passage I've preached through many times before, don't be anxious about anything. Does that just sound good? To be anxious about nothing? Okay, but when you are, what should you do? In every situation, by, uh, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Now when he says this, he's saying this is the flavor of your prayers and your petitions that you present to God. Present your request to God. And then what will you receive as you do? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's this... Attitude of gratitude is thanksgiving over everything. The older I get, I think, 
I don't know if it just gets easier, but the older I get, the more thankful I am. I think the younger I was, I just took a lot of things for, for granted. Like, for example, I'm more grateful for a nation where we have freedom. Freedom to worship. Freedom that I can proclaim Jesus Christ. Like, I'm just grateful for that. I'm grateful for our troops. I'm grateful for our first responders. I'm grateful for our military. I'm grateful for simple things like my home and electricity and water and clothing and a warm building. I'm, I'm grateful for my family and my friends, and I'm grateful for this church, and I'm grateful for our, our staff here that are amazing. And I'm, honestly, I'm just so grateful for you guys. I'm so grateful for you as a church. Now, here's what's amazing is that while I am truly so grateful for all of you, the very thing that I'm thankful for right now, Monday morning will come, and for whatever reason, I'll lose complete sight of everything I was grateful for today. Has this ever happened to you? Where it's like... It's with such clarity you have thank, a thankful heart, and then the enemy attacks that, the very thing you were thankful for, and now you're bitter toward it, or you're frustrated with it, as opposed to thanksgiving. Now, here's, here's the real key here as far as thanksgiving. It's easy to be thankful when everything's good, right? It's hard to be thankful when things are bad, and yet, this is really how we approach, in that passage in Philippians, it's the assumption that something tough is, is, is in front of you. Something is troubling you. So I present my prayers and my requests to God with a thankful heart. Meaning I give thanks for, to God and for my situation even over the thing that is causing me the greatest anxiety. Like this, if you're anxious about your financial strain that you're facing, start with being thankful for your current provision. If you're anxious for the promotion, be thankful for your current position. If you're anxious over your health, be thankful that you're currently alive. There's something about Thanksgiving that destroys the power of anxiety over your heart and your mind. You know, I've known uh, quite a few people over the years who have been in a physical state where their body is just falling apart, and yet they're the most thankful people I've ever met. And they carry more peace than perhaps makes any sense. And there's, I don't know, those people, I just honor them so much because there's nothing that screams peace louder and seems more obvious to those in the village than that. And yet they just, they just have such a thankful perspective of life. You can't give what you don't have. And we need to be a people who actually carry peace. Our world is desperate for us to be carriers of peace. Someone carrying something different into this season right now in life. And as we approach even our Christmas season, here's something that's interesting about our Christmas services is most people perceive Christmas services like candlelight, you know, Christmas Eve services, as, oh, that, that'll just be a, a sweet time of peace together. And so we actually want to set you up to be able to uh, be carriers of peace and invite people into this being a place of peace, even this, this Christmas. And so um, I want to tell you two quick stats, and then just 
One's kind of discouraging, but the second one is actually incredibly encouraging to me. The first stat is this, that the number of people that consider themselves de-churched, that would mean they've walked away from the church, or unchurched, that group of people is ever-increasing. That group of people is, is getting larger and larger. That could be de depressing <laughs> and discouraging. However, the second stat is incredibly encouraging to me. From a recent Barna poll that was put out there asking that specific group of people, the people, the, the ever-increasing group of de-churched and non-churched people, they said, over 50% said, if someone invited me to church, I would go with them. That's a mind-blowing statistic. Over 50%, over half the people, they were, they've said, if you would just look me in my eye, not, not just blast something out there on social media, but you would actually look me in the eye or make a personal, uh, make a phone call, not just send a text. If you were to do something and you were to invite me personally, I'd go. And so even this Christmas, as our Christmas uh, services approach, in the past we've done things like business cards or postcards, but this year we developed a, a kind of a card. We want you to take as many of these as you want. They're by the back doors, and our ushers will be giving them out uh, as you leave here. But it's a little postcard to invite people to church, and it's not just like hand it to them. We actually designed it with space for our, this is a mind-blowing idea, for you to write something on it. That's right. So here's what it could look like on the inside. You could personalize it. Say, hey, Josh, my family's going to the 8 p.m. service on the 23rd. Could I save you a seat? Or here's another example. Amanda, I'd like to go to either service, or I would love to go to either service on the 24th with you. Want to go together? It's space just for you to be able to personalize a note and hand it to someone, and then are you ready for it? Follow up with them and say, hey, I'd love to go with you. Because here's the deal. Our Christmas Eve services will be incredibly sweet, but even as we, we're going to ride this theme, it takes a village all the way to Christmas Eve. And um, I think it would be incredibly sweet if it's not just you and maybe you and your family, but it's you and your family and another family sitting here. Or it's you and a friend sitting here. Look at this through the lens of who's going to be my village that I sit with at one of our services. I want to make sure that I've got someone from the village that I brought along so that they can be exposed to the Prince of Peace who's making a difference in my life and I want him to make a difference in theirs. Make sure to grab those as you leave here today. Let's stand. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that although you said in this world we will have trouble, <laughs> You followed it up by saying you've overcome everything in this world. You are greater, you are bigger, you are stronger than everything that might cause us anxiety or stress. And we can have your peace. Lord, I pray that we would carry faith, carry thanksgiving, ultimately carry your peace. That we would be people who carry peace into environments and release it there. I pray that you would, uh, right now, that you'd be ministering in ways that's beyond what I can do and just be meeting us right where we're at, releasing your peace over hearts. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.